Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I want to get into the talk with an initial idea. I think we can gather around it. It might take a minute or two. But it's the idea that regularly in life there are what I would call submit or quit moments. It's the times where life gets friction or there's a rub somewhere and you're either going to, another word might be you're going to endure the, the friction or you're just going to take it, you're like, I'm done and walk away. Let me give you a scenario. Let's pretend you work at some kind of a, a manufacturing place and there's a boss over you and he comes or she comes and say, hey, all the stuff in the the south warehouse, all those boxes, we're going to put them all in the east warehouse, all right? That's what we're going to do today. All the boxes there go to the east warehouse. And so you as a, as a worker there think, that's dumb. Why are we doing that? That doesn't make sense. And by the way, you even have some rational ideas on why that's not a good idea, like, oh, because the east warehouse, it won't be as, right? And so you, even with a sense of honor, you go to your overseer and you say, hey, can I talk to you because are you sure we've thought through this because the East thing, that's really, and they listen and, and maybe then you even rally a group of your team to as a group go, hey, you're not, but at the end of the day, the boss says, oh yeah, oh yeah, I hear that, yes, I hear, but move all the boxes <laughs> to the East thing. All right? Can you imagine that? They say, yep, still doing it, though. Here's what I would say. For, for us in the worker situation, we have to decide. Okay, am I going to submit or am I quitting my job and walking out? Does that make sense? It's, let's, can we just take off the table? I'm just going to whine about it for the next year and a half and drag my feet. Can we just... Kind of you have to decide at times. Am I going to do this, or am I just going to quit? I think there are situations in life like that, uh, other ideas. I think there are moments like that in relationships. I'll try to paint a picture here. I, I know a woman pretty well. She's my wife. <laughs> and she, over the last 30 years, has tried to train me to clean up my crumbs off the counter. It's not working all the time. And so I'm guessing at some point over the last 30 years, she has had submit or quit moments where she eventually decides, okay, he's never going to learn. And I either stay with sloppy or, right, see, you, or, you know, I'm still going to love him or still stay engaged in this marriage or I guess I'm done. Does that make sense? You have to, some of you are judging me because I still leave crumbs. And I think there are moments like that relationally. By the way, if you're thinking, yeah, I have to endure him, well, he also has to endure you because most of us have an area of life, Right? Submit or quit 
situation. Might be some of those even financially. Maybe you've made a big purchase. You got to the end of the line. You think, okay, I'm spending this much money on this thing. And then there's a light item just before you write your check or whatever. And it says something like uh, uh, documentation fee. Or have you seen, you find these things? What? It, yeah. Or where you go like, what the heck is that? $125 for a for a administrative, if you ever experienced this, and you go, I'm not paying that. Are you kidding me? And so you push back, but then they say, well, no, if you want the car, you, and you're at an impasse, you have to decide, am I going to go ahead and get the couch, or are you going to walk away? It's the submit to the situation or quit. Shift gears here. There are spiritual situations like that. It's when we pray to the Lord and we ask Him for certain things, and the answer is not the answer we want. Like the answer is basically no. And we don't like it. And we have to decide. Well, that doesn't make sense to me, Lord. Why? But this feels like, and, but the answer ends up being no, and you got to decide. Well, am I going to submit, continue to submit to the Lord, or am I going to walk away from faith and trust and relationship with God? It could be a disagreement with His clear direction from the Scripture. Here's some in Matthew chapter 5, verse 40. Here's one of the commands of God. And if, any, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Well, I don't like that. Some of you are like, well, I don't like it either. But you've got to decide. Or here's one, Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Which, by the way, if you're in Christ, he forgave it all. He forgave it all. So you're like, so the Lord will say, no, no, you forgive the way I forgave you. And you're like, no, no, you, uh uh-uh, because they did this. Those are hard friction moments where we have to decide. Going to submit, going to quit. By the way, this might be new news to some of us. Christianity is not a pick-and-choose religion. It's not like a menu. Where you just go, oh, I like this, and then I like this, but everything else that I don't like, we just go. Just, just to be clear, following Christ is a lordship invitation. Now, I don't think any of us do this perfectly, but that's the desire of God is he becomes the master. He gives us direction, and it, it's wonderful because he also cares and loves, but we don't get to pick and choose the rights and the wrongs of the world we get to respond when God says, here's what I want you to do. We don't, uh, yeah, I love you, Lord, but not that. It's not the way it's supposed to work. Uh, by the way, there's going to be some disappointing, dis- disappointed people in eternity that just decided, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I just do Jesus 30% because I don't like some of those other things. Does that make sense? It's not the way it works. So, basically, what we're headed toward today is how do you navigate those difficult moments of faith, stay engaged, and not quit? 
not quit. Okay, so we're in this series through the book of John, and today we're going to look at a text where some of Jesus' followers end up in a point of friction with some of Jesus' teaching, and a bunch of them, in fact, most of them quit. Uh, here's what's going on. <clears throat> Jesus has been teaching. He's been healing. Most recent things he's been doing, he did a miraculous multiplication of some food, some fish and bread, and he fed over 5,000 people. After that, there's a moment where he walks on water, which would be really cool. And apparently the crowds are coming, and there's a bunch of people saying, I'm going to follow this guy. He's amazing. And I think Jesus then throws out some harder teaching that is a test to them. Basically, he's sharing, look, life is not about just chasing me so that you can get free fish and bread. He really is hoping that they would pursue all of him getting involved in all of their life. And so part of that teaching, Jesus says in John 6, 53, he says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. And now we can know now this is probably a reference to communion. It's figuratively, unless, unless you take me into your life, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That's where we're going to pick it up. And in verse 60, here's what happens. It says, on hearing it, get back here. on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Now, I want you to notice as we go on, Jesus does not then say, oh, I am so sorry. I'll change the direction because I sure didn't want to offend you. He says, then what if you see the Son of Man, which is a reference to Jesus, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Let's bounce to verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12 disciples, and Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Title of the talk today is Grit. You might, might put in there spiritual grit, navigating the difficult moments of faith. Basically, you want to explore from the last sentence or so. What are some ways that we can think and approach the hard moments of life so that we won't quit? Let me pray, and I'll give you some ideas. So mostly, Father, uh, we need you to teach. I got some stuff here that I think you want. Uh, I think it'll honor you, and I think it's what you want me to say, but mostly we need you to teach us. You're way better at this. So by your Spirit, guide us through the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen couple ideas on how you make it through, all right? The first one is this. We will make it by seriously considering the options. Seriously considering is something you can write in on the handout or you might be using the app. 
the options. And what I mean here is by giving real thought to, if I walk away from God or Jesus, what are you going to walk to? Because wisdom doesn't just decide what you don't, what you're not going to do. Wisdom has the vision to go, okay, well, if I don't do it, where am I going to go? And we see this in verse 68, where Simon Peter answers the Lord, Lord, to whom? Because remember, Jesus just said, are you guys going to quit too? And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? I, I think that's brilliant to actually give some forethought and not just join in the group of gripers that, that is building momentum in the moment. Have you ever noticed how griping can easily build momentum in a direction? Does that... So I'm guessing in this moment, Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And there's people going, that sounds dumb. Did you hear what he said? That's not, I'm not doing that. I mean, I liked what he was doing before, but I don't like this at all. And then they say, well, what do you think? Well, I don't like it either. And then they gather more people and the volume goes, yeah, (laughs) no way, I'm not. I mean, this guy's whacked. I'm out of here. There's no way. And pretty soon, well, I don't know. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm leaving. Well, me too. And then this big group of people like, yeah, we don't like you anymore. And they start walking. Can you imagine that happening? How it happens easily. Here's a little side note. Don't, this little added. It's just for this service. I haven't said it yet. Don't be quick to join the group of gripers. Because a lot of times, even if we get in, they, we don't think through where we're going. We just gather around because griping is so much fun. We say, yeah, this is a great idea. But the problem is when you get someplace, you might have a wake-up call like, no, what, what are we doing? So I even wonder if these guys, they've been just, by the way, they've been watching and participating in like the divine miraculous multiplication of fish and like this miracle dinner. They've heard the greatest teacher that ever walked the earth. They've seen people get healed from things. They've experienced the presence of God physically being there with them. By the way, that would be a pretty good day. And now because of some hard teaching, they're like, yeah, we're going away. I wonder if like three miles down the road, back to their house or hut, whether one of them didn't go, well, what are we going to do now? And then the disappointment of, huh, the answers to the question, which might be, I don't know, I guess I'll go can some olives or whatever, right? I guess I'll just, I guess I had a woodworking project that I was going to take to the marketplace, so I'll go back to scraping the bark off of that tree to get the, does that, like, I guess I'll sweep my dirt floor with my grass broom. I don't even, what do you, like what? Okay, you don't like this idea. But isn't that reality? Like, I have to think the next day was fairly disappointing compared to what they've been experiencing with God. Okay, so here's the idea. You can write this in. Wisdom doesn't walk away without weighing what we are walking toward. 
And there just isn't anything to compare with walking with God. If we just think about it. Uh, this, this took me to a thought I've had over the last several weeks. And it's a question. And some of you will get this. Some of you, maybe not. But here's the question. Are you ruined yet? And what I mean by that is the reality of a close walk with God, has it so affected you that the idea of not walking with him anymore just makes no sense? I'm ruined for just leaving him and going doing and doing whatever the alternatives are. I think I'm legitimately have been ruined for some alternative life without God story. By the way, even in the difficult times, I just think there's not another place. Where else am I going to go? So a few weeks back, uh, my son and his wife, so my son and my daughter-in-law, were pregnant 22 weeks into uh, the pregnancy, and uh, we got the news that there was problems with the pregnancy, and uh, ended up getting a text that when they went in for an ultrasound, the baby's heart had stopped beating. Those are hard moments, and I'm not trying to bring up pain in your life if you've been through those. But right, this is real life. So my wife and I got the text. I created a little distance from my wife, and I went to a place by myself. I'm talking to the Lord about this, and I began to ugly cry because it was just painful because I had had weeks of praying for this now we'd found out for this little girl and you know I'm invested in all those things and so went through this difficult moment of pain and, and I remember I'm mean, engaging with God in the midst of it and a couple thoughts came to my mind that were something like this God I don't know if I can I don't know if I can do this anymore I'm kind of frustrated at you because I know you have the power to you could have fixed all this and you didn't right I thought I'll just maybe I'm just done I don't know if I can preach anymore I'm just mad and confused and even in the midst of that hard moment I still remember thinking but Lord where am I going to go does that like, by the way, I still don't have any great answers for why those difficult things happen. But come on. And this is, and I thought again, I, I'm just ruined in a good way. And I think by God's grace, the rest of my life, I will never, ever, ever decide I'm just done with God. Because seriously, where else are we going to go? I think that it's interesting that Peter. Part of Peter's answer is, Lord, to whom? To whom shall we go? Who in the world compares to the opportunity of having a relationship with God? And the answer is, there is no one. Can we walk through Psalm 23, which describes some of the characteristics of our Father? It's comparing the Lord to a shepherd. 
And the idea here is that no one compares to what God brings to the table. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's provision. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's rest. He leads me beside quiet waters, and it says in verse 3, he refreshes my soul. God is a God who attends to our inner life. He guides me along the right paths. That's direction. Verse 4 says, I will fear no evil. That's courage. For you are with me. That's companionship. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. That's peace. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's victory. My cup overflows. That's abundance. Those are all the things that God brings to the table. Seriously, where else are you going to go and get that? Now, to be clear, do all those things work perfectly in my life? Is, is our, because, you know, we just try to be honest here at the church. Is my experience with God perfect? By faith, I believe that God is perfect. My experience with God still has disappointments in it. Does that make sense? But God forbid that my disappointments derail my walk with God, because listen, he's the best option we have, folks. Where else are you going to go? So, to finish up this point, here's just a question for us to consider. Have I settled in? Have I settled in to my relationship with God? And I might push this a little bit. If you, if you want to settle in, you can't just dip your toe into a little bit of religion. Have you given yourself to relationship with God? I would encourage you, do it. It's nothing better. It doesn't wipe away every difficulty in life, but there's nothing better than personal relationship with God. So that was the first idea. We'll make it by considering the alternative or the other options. Uh, we're going to get one more point. Are you with me? Just need one. I'm probably going to do it anyway, but it's nice to know at least three people are still listening. Here's the second idea. We'll, hit it. we'll try to hit it quickly. We will, we will make it by emphasizing an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective. We're going to see it in the text in a moment. First of all, can we just admit that it is so easy for us to focus way too much of our life on temporary things? Can I get a... It's easy for us, some of you right now right? We're, we're not thinking about eternal things. We're mostly thinking about, well, what time is it? Can this guy shut up? Because I'm getting hungry. Or, right, or you got, anybody got something this afternoon, and it's easy to focus on something that, and so it's easy to talk about that. This, I got a couple of things, like one, we were going to register one of our cars, but something didn't work in the first time, you know, so I got to figure out how do we get that done this week? That's on my to-do list. <gasps> this week, I broke a flip-flop. And for like 30 hours, I'm like, oh, great, flip-flop. How am I going to figure this out? When am I going to get to the store? Because do they even have flip-flops in the stores anymore? Because it's late in the summer. Ah! Okay, you know, it's easy to get consumed. Some of you are worried. Don't worry, I found some. I'm good. Got a flip-flop. But for 30 hours, it was part of this, this thing. 
We get so consumed with those things. Back to the text. Again, brilliant Peter. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? And he says, you have the words of eternal life. The word eternal there, of course, it means eternal. What I read a paragraph giving a little more insight into the word, it means age-long, eternal, unending. And I like this figuratively. It means God's life at work in the believer that ultimately, I'm going to slow down, ultimately manifests in the sinless abode of heaven forever. Chew on that. Sinless. Wouldn't it be great to live in a place with no sin? Where you don't have to struggle with that one thing in your life that you're trying to quit but you can't. But it's just hard. Or you're living with the person or you got the friend and they've got that sin in their life that causes some irritation in your life. Wouldn't it be great if they were fixed? Can it, let's just talk about them and not about us. Wouldn't that be great if they were fixed? See, in heaven they'll be fixed. In heaven will be sinless eternity. It's going to be so good. And wisdom remembers and keeps in sight and is driven by, let's talk about eternity. Let's make decisions based on eternity. Let's let that drive us more than some of the temporary things. Here's the idea. You can write it down. Peter's short-term decision was driven by long-term thinking. The men and women who walked away were driven by just that moment. Peter stayed because he had realized, wait a minute, Jesus, you are connected to all eternity. I'm not walking away from that. Jesus, Peter had heard Jesus teach things like in in John 14, 6, Jesus had taught, I... And the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Peter knew that. In Matthew 7, Jesus taught, enter through the narrow gate. And in John 10, he revealed who, where the narrow gate is. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. little side note. We're living in a culture that often considers Christianity as too narrow-minded. And and we dismiss Christians or Jesus as the only way, and we think, oh, that's narrow-minded, self-centered, that's not the way it works. Can I just give you an alternative mindset to being irritated with the narrow-mindedness of Christianity? Because, by the way, I believe it's true. Jesus is the only way. He paid the price for our sin. No place else can you get your sin forgiven. He is the door into eternity. But instead of getting irritated with the narrow-mindedness of that, how about we get grateful that God would reveal to us the direction for all eternity? Isn't that, that's another way, and can I, it's probably the better way to look at it. How many of you, we don't get frustrated at our GPS for telling us to turn right to get to the destination, right? We don't curse the GPS because, well, I want to go left. I want to go straight. I don't know why I'm doing this, but who cares? I don't know why. 
you stupid, right, GPS, I can't believe you'd be so narrow-minded and tell me to get on this off-ramp. That would be nuts, correct? That would be foolish. We're grateful for direction. God, in his loving honesty, says, I have made a way for you to be forgiven and saved. Don't get mad about the way. Get on the way. Does that make sense? That's a way better plan. Sorry, I started yelling. <laughs> that was super helpful for me. Like, that's, that's right. Why do I? Okay. So here's just an idea that will come up on the screen. It's not a fill in the blank. But the opportunity of heaven should overshadow any friction on earth. So when you go to a difficult moment, a hard moment of faith, yes, it's difficult. Don't let it derail you. Stay on the narrow way. Stay with Jesus. He is the key to all eternity. You'll be glad you stuck it out. Going to finish with a little picture of heaven given to us from the book of Revelation which motivates, I think, will motivate us. I know it motivates me to stick it out even when things are difficult. In Revelation 21, the writer says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He goes on to talk a little bit about and describes it as a holy city where God's dwelling is so perfect. People get to be so close with God, and God is so close to them, and there's no friction and weirdness and hard to figure out what's going on. And then it says in verse 4, he, talking about God, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is what heaven will be like. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. I just had a picture of the, the loving creator of the universe, of people like you and me through Christ getting to enter heaven, coming in with some of the pain of our life. I don't know whether he's, you know, like got a hanky and he said, come here, because this life is sometimes painful. And him, come, come here. And, then, and he takes his thing and he wipes it. He says, okay, we're going to wipe away all that little, that pain, the stains of the tears, because you're not going to, this is a place where you're never going to cry again. So he just wipes that away. And he says, come on, get in here. No more pain ever again. Forever. Is that worth enduring? That is worth enduring. By the way, verse 7, at the end of that picture, it says, those who are victorious will inherit all this. Victorious implies those who do not quit will inherit all this. Last fill in the blank, then we're going to pray. Am I in? It's just a question for us to consider. Am I in? Have you decided? Or is it time to decide again? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.